You're listening to Weekend Recap with Pastor Kent Nottingham. To hear the full message and many more, visit calvarytlh.com slash teachings. We're going to begin our reading today at 2 Samuel chapter 5 as we are starting back up with David, a nation after God's own heart. And it says in verse 1, Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. And King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he, became, when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. So David now is the king of Israel. But did you notice he was king of Judah, only one tribe for seven and a half years. Then after the seven and a half years, then the nation made him king over all of Israel. And what I want to do is go back and look at those seven and a half years that David was the king over one tribe because it's like his probationary period. It was like the time that he was, God wanted to see how he was going to do, and you're going to see how well he actually really did do. But if we go back to 2 Samuel chapter 2, it all begins after King Saul had died, and David and his men were mourning for him. They lamented over him. And David said good of Saul and his reign over the nation of Israel. David was very gracious to one who didn't deserve it. But that's grace. Just like you and I have been given heaven, and we don't deserve it either. God was gracious to us in giving us what we don't deserve. And David, being a man after God's own heart, emulated a valuable characteristic of God that no doubt springboards him into the position of king. God really worked on his character for over 14 years. So it picks up right after Saul's death in chapter 2, verse 1 of 2 Samuel says, And it happened... After this, that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives, also Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household. So they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed king David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabesh-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown this kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. I also will repay you the kindness, because you have done this Thing. Now, therefore, let your hands be strengthened and be valiant, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. So when Saul and his sons died in battle, the Philistines actually took their bodies and they hung them on a wall in a place called Beth Shin. And these brave men of Jabesh Gilead went to Beth Shin and rescued the bodies of the king and his sons from their humiliation, obviously. For Jews were to be buried. So these men came and gave the king and his sons a proper burial. And understand, the former king, Saul, 
When someone did acts of kindness, he looked at it as betrayal, and he would go after them. David was Saul's enemy, and to show acts of kindness to David, one who's an enemy to the king Saul at that time, like the priest did at, at Nob, when they showed kindness to David by giving him the sword of Goliath and bread, Saul saw it as betrayal, and he had every single one of them killed there at Nob. But David is saying the kingdom is under new management now. A good thing will always be viewed as a good thing in this new kingship. So David did good things for Saul, but Saul was so insecure, always thought David was trying to undermine his kingship, always saw everybody's betraying him, you know, trying to take over, but that never was ever in the heart of David. So these men of Jabesh Gilead, knowing Saul was an enemy of David's, did kindness, and David never looked at his betrayal or disloyalty to him at all. No, the kingdom is under new management. But as David is now crowned king of one tribe, Judah, Saul's old commander-of-chief, his old army commander, Abner, is going to pull a fast one. And what Abner did was basically this. Saul is dead, but Abner was not ready to relinquish power. So what he does, he takes a surviving son of Saul, and he sets him up taking his dad's place. He was a puppet king, but Ishbosheth, which was the king now, Saul's son, is really not the power. Abner was the power, and he's going to compete with David for that power. So Abner had to get his puppet king into place so he can compete with David for this power. And as time goes on, there were these skirmishes and these little wars that took place between Joab, which was David's commander, and Abner, which was the former commander of Saul's army, who is now with Ishbosheth as, as the king at this particular time. But here's what happened. David got stronger and stronger, and Abner became weaker and weaker. It says in chapter 3, verse 1, now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. So this seven and a half years of war between David's men and Saul's house, which Abner controlled, but David in those seven years became stronger and stronger, and Saul's house, with Abner leading it, became weaker and weaker as time went on. Well, here's how the story goes on. Abner, this commander, did something that he wasn't supposed to do. So Ishbosheth, the king that he set up as the puppet king, called him on it. Well, that really ticked off Abner. How dare you confront me with my loyalty to the house of Saul? And it made Abner so mad that he was going to make a covenant with David and deliver to him the rest of Israel for him to be king over. So Abner sits up a meeting with David. David says, that's great. And before that meeting, Abner went to the elders of the 11 tribes of Israel and he communicated to them, saying, In times past, you were seeking for David to be king over you. He says, Now it's time to do it. And they all agreed. So Abner, with 20 of his men, came to Hebron to meet with David to make the transition. David made a feast for him. And at the end of the feast, Abner promised David that when he leaves, that he will gather all Israel and deliver it to him. So David sent Abner away in peace to do it. Well, it just happened when Abner and his men came for this feast with David to make this covenant, Joab, David's general, is out on assignment. And when he came back into Hebron and heard about the covenant that he made with Abner, it just infuriated Joab. 
And he told David, Abner is spying on you. He came to deceive you, to make you think, you know, he was on your side, but he's not. He was spying out your weak points and your strong points. So Joab sent men out to get Abner, making Abner think that David wanted to talk to him some more. But when Abner came back, Joab killed him, put him to death. David did a very good thing. He mourned for Abner. David told Joab and all of his men to mourn for Abner. They buried Abner in Hebron, and David lifted his voice, and he cried over Abner. He wrote a song of lament for him. Then all the people wept over him. David had great respect for Abner. David did like Abner. Abner chased David for years when he was Saul's commander. David was very familiar with him. But now that David is now king of Judah, he's chasing Abner and his men in that way. And Abner decided, it's time for me to give up Israel because I'm getting weaker and weaker. And David obviously is getting stronger and stronger. But then the people were very pleased with what David did. And they all understood that David had nothing to do with Abner's death. Well, back at the palace where Saul's son Ishbosheth reigned, they got word about Abner's death, and a couple of his captains in Abner's army thought this was a great opportunity because they knew about Abner turning Israel over to David, and so they thought they, they could help out. So they believed that they went in and killed the king Ishbosheth. They beheaded him to take the head of Ishbosheth over David, believing that David was actually going to give him a reward. But David did exactly the same thing that he did seven and a half years earlier when the Amalekite came to David with news of Saul's death and his son's death and how he finished off Saul and brought David to the crown and his bracelet. And David said, how could you have not been afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And then David put that Amalekite to death. Seven and a half years later with Ishbosheth, the king, he didn't call him God's anointed for he wasn't the anointed of God as king. But David did call him a righteous man, innocently in his bed sleeping, and these guys cowardly killed him. Then David put these two captains to death. And then, of course, in chapter 5, it begins to read that then all Israel made David their king. But I want to ask a question to you to think about at this particular time. What is the hardest thing in life for you to do? Think about that for a second. Maybe there are three or four things that you could jot down. But what is interesting, I think one of the things that you and I would have in common is one of the hardest things in life to do, and it's this thing called to wait. You know, having opportunity to travel to so many different parts of the world, when I get back, I realize how things here in America move so efficient. Things move efficiently. And one of the reasons is because we are a money-driven culture. We understand that time is money, and we like to keep things moving. Yet when we come face to face with something that is not efficient and causes us to wait, it can be very frustrating. It can infuriate us. It can make us very mad. You know, I'm in a grocery store line, and maybe you are one who looks for the longest line <laughs> to check out because you want others to have the shorter line. You're that kind of a Christian, which I doubt. But if you're like me, and that's sad if you are, you always look for the shortest line to go through. And I don't know why I always end up not choosing rightly. Because it's a line that, you know, it it's, goes in there and there's somebody in front of me who's checking out and one of their items does not have a barcode. And the checker has to get somebody to come there to go all the way in the back and find out what that is as I'm waiting to be ch to check out. 
or somebody, the next person, after they check out and pulls out their checkbook, their checks happen to be from Somalia. So now you got to call a manager over to find out, you know, if they can cash this check or not. You're waiting the whole time. And really, the waiting is only probably about 10 minutes, but it seems like it's forever. Waiting is one of the hardest things to do in life. Even though you're not in a hurry, even though you have to, you have to go anywhere, we just hate to wait. And in our passage today, we're told that David is having to wait an additional seven and a half years. On top of the other 14, he's had to wait since be, being anointed as king. I mean, he, that was at 16 years of age. It had to be longer than expected. Saul was dead. Who's next in line to be anointed? David was in this thing called wait mode. He had to wait. He had to wait. I mean, David isn't striving and trying to organize his cabinet, sending out letters to all the tribes, remind them I'm next in line to be king. No, David just goes to the Lord. Where would you have me to go? The Lord says, go to Hebron. I will, and I would expect that David probably gets there thinking all Israel is going to come to him, but they don't. Only one tribe comes to him, and it's his, his own tribe, Judah. The other 11 tribes don't do it. I would think there might have been some disappointment by David, but to David's credit, he remained patient. But this delay may have been disappointing, but it was very much needed, very much needed. The Lord would never, ever have us wait unless it is good for us in some way. You see, for 10 years, God was doing something in the heart of David to be the king. But now for the seven and a half years, God needed to do something in the hearts of the nation of Israel before David could become their king. And that's important. While David is doing that, David just needs to wait on the Lord to do what he needs to do with the people. David is ready to be king. God has developed his character completely, but the people were not ready for him to be king yet at all. There are a couple things I want you to notice about David when David's in this wait mode that what it is that he gave himself to to redeem this time. I noticed this. Number one, he didn't strive. David didn't David would have never left Ziglag and gone to Hebron except God told him to. David wasn't eager to go any place unless the Lord wanted him to go there, and Hebron's where the Lord wanted him to go. David didn't send out letters to the nation saying, hey, let's get this king thing on the road. You know I'm the guy. But David didn't do any of those things. He just went to Hebron with his family and all of his men and just settled into the city. But it was then that the men of Judah recognized the call upon his life. And they came to David and they asked if he would be king over their tribe. Note this, they, they came to David. David didn't approach them. Abner came to David to, for him to join up with the other tribes of Israel. David never asked him to do that. David left it all into God's hands. And even after all that, Israel comes to David in chapter 5 and anoints David as king. David never asked him to come. He never asked him to make him king. Once again, he left everything in the hands of the Lord. He didn't strive. He did not strive one bit. And, it's, and, you know, much in life, we have to do spend a lot of time waiting. And we understand when God delays, it's in order that something to do, he's going to do something even better in our lives. That's why there's a delay. He wants to do something better in our lives. Listen, if David, let me put it this way, that was the first thing. He didn't strive. The second thing he didn't do, well, the second thing for David is that he did good. He handled himself wisely, and the people were watching him. David knew that God had developed tremendous character in his life over the last number of years, but the people of Israel didn't know that. 
They had to have an opportunity to see that in their own eyes. So it took time for them to be able to see that God had really developed great character into David's life. And they saw that. And the third and the final thing that that happened is that David handled himself good in the situations. I mean, with all these struggles and these bloodbaths and all this killing going on amongst themselves and and Joab killing Abner, David kept a, a safe distance from that evil. He publicly distanced himself from that kind of stuff. He stayed away from it. He protected his integrity. He didn't allow himself to be drawn into all of that. That was David. And he honored Abner. And the people saw how much he honored Abner with the funeral. Even David honored Ishbosheth and even had a proper burial for his head that was even brought to him. So the people are seeing David and how he handled himself in the situation. So David's waiting was a holy, obedient, right, and good wait. Some people get discouraged and even depressed when God calls them to wait on a call or a direction for their lives. Some folks just give up on God's call because of the wait. But understand, the Lord is never late. He's always worth the wait. And as hard as it is to wait on the carnal things like grocery store lines and all those kinds of things, you know, waiting on the Lord is the hardest thing to do because we can go through crises of faith many times. We may doubt his power. And because we doubt his power, you know, we have a crisis of faith that requires wait, but we don't think he's, he's powerful enough to do it in the first place. Listen. If it seems as if God is ignoring your expectation, it's because God has something better planned. Just remember, while you wait, God is working. Stay patient. And while you wait, do good, do right. Allow your character and integrity to be strong.